Man, that was good. That was good. Isn't this church awesome? You can... Awesome band. If you were here last week, awesome message. I came in the door and there's Krispy Kremes and there's hot coffee. Isn't that cool that you can just come in and you can bring them right in here. And you can just sit out there while we're talking and playing and stuff up on the screen, eat Krispy Kremes. These have got to be the greatest things in the world. Wouldn't it be cool if everything, everything I wanted in church Everything that I thought about, everything that made me comfortable, everything that tasted really good and, and sounded really... Wouldn't it be cool if church was all about me? Wouldn't it? I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. You know, for some people, uh, this is church, right, where I'm sitting right here. They just, uh, some of you, maybe you just come in, and you sit in these nice, comfortable seats, and have one of those awesome Krispy Kremes that I just showed you and drink some Stone Wolf coffee and, and have something uh, from Panera and you come in and in this nice room and listen to the great music and laugh and maybe learn a little bit and then leave. And for many people, that's church. And that's all it ever is. Week in and week out, Month after month, this room is church. What happens in the Six Fork Cinema for some of you is church. But what if, what if a church were different than that? What if a church could be different for everybody? Not just a place to come and listen and learn and leave, but a place where Christ is seen as relevant. A place where 2,000-year-old teachings and religion came alive. A place where the teachings of Christ were creatively connected to today's culture. Connected to where you live and where you struggle and where you have hard times and where you have good times. What What if church was a place where that just all came together And it connected. What if church was a place for you to find hope? What if church was a place for for people that had made mistakes, that had messed up, that had goofed up? What, What if church was a place where they could connect with the Spirit of God? 
What if church was a place filled with people who no longer were just concerned about what they liked, what they didn't like, and their needs, and if they were met, and what they were getting out of it, but a place filled with people that realized that a me church is completely outside of God's will? What if our church became a place that was filled up not with spectators, but filled up with participators? With people that said, you know, I don't want church for me just to be in these seats, just within these walls. What if our church was a place where people came and th- that maybe felt like church had been boring and all of a sudden they see, you know, church doesn't have to be boring. Church doesn't have to be irrelevant. It can be relevant. What if, what if church was a place where poor people were served? Where people that had less than us, that have enjoyed less than us, that need more than we need. What if, what if church was a place where we knew that we could participate in serving people like that? What if church was a place where people grew? Where they got connected in relationships with other people and they grew? Not only closer to each other, but closer to God and people began to begin to experience God in a whole new way. What if no matter who you are, no matter what your lifestyle is, no matter how bad you've messed up or how many times you've blown it, church was a place where you could come and get connected into relationships and connected with God in a way that challenged you and gave you the tools you need to change and be a different person. What if a church church dreamed something so big and so great and so awesome that if God were not a part of it, it would fail? What if a church relied on God for success, on God for results, and not just the talent of people? What would that look like? What if people were motivated to get out of their seats, out of their comfort zone, and go out into the world, into the workplace, into their house. And and Christianity, church, began to make a difference in the way people parented their children. What if it began to make a difference in the way you act as an employee or an employer? What if it began to make a difference in the way you act as a neighbor and as a friend? as a husband or a wife. That would be revolutionary, wouldn't it? If church became that for every person sitting here today, it became something that affects our lives, not just in these seats and these comfortable walls, but out there, over there, in there. That it affected our lives just as much tomorrow morning at this time as it is this morning at this time. What if together... We dreamed something big, so big that people wanted in on it, so big that people looked and scratched their head and thought, what, what's going on in there? And I know some of you are just still just checking us out, and some of you have experienced all those things I just talked about, and you've experienced that right here at LifePoint. 
No matter which two of those groups you're in, you need to know that my goal is to make you uncomfortable with where you are. Now, don't hear me wrong. If you're here for the first time, be comfortable. Enjoy those Krispy Kremes. And somebody came and got them. Enjoy those Krispy Kremes and the coffee and the music and the message. But I hope there comes a time when that doesn't hit home for you, that you need something more. You need something more than what we can provide here in 60 minutes on a Sunday morning. We want to join with you, the leadership, the staff, I do. We want to join with you in this journey called life and get into community and relationship with you. That's what this church is all about. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be going through a series called the core. And it's going to, what I'm going to talk about are some purposes that we have that we believe God is calling this church to fulfill. And we believe those purposes come right out of Scripture. By taking this thousand-of-year-old book and applying it to today's culture, we believe God reveals purposes for His church. There's some people coming down the aisles right now with those Bibles. If you're here for the first time or if you forgot yours today, please take one. It's yours to keep. Follow along as the scriptures come up on the screen. In that book, the church is talked about a lot. And the church is referred to in that book not as an organization to be managed, but the church is referred to as a living organism, as something to be made healthy. As something that lives and breathes. And if you're a Christ follower, you're part of that thing called the church. The body of Christ on earth. It's a living and breathing organism because it's you. Because you, if you're a Christ follower, you are the church. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27, it says this. Now, all of you together are Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. So the church is a body. It's a living organism. And and what if we said, let's not just create a really cool organization that people might want to get involved with. Let's create something that's alive. Let's create something that's revolutionary. Because church really can be different. No matter how you've experienced it before, it can be different. It can be a place of acceptance. It can be a place that's not burdened by tradition, but a place that that defies human logic and makes people scratch their heads and think, what in the world are those people trying to do? A place that's, that's not bound by formulas for growth, but simply seeks to make Christ relevant to as many people as possible. People that that just got to know Him and just came into His family. People that have been there for years or people that are standing way outside of the family of God. But what if we focused on that and just said, we are going to do everything we can to make Christ real to you where you live. It's not hard to make Him real here for an hour on Sunday morning because I've got your undivided attention, right? Hyped up on the sugar from the Krispy Kreme so it's easy to stay awake. See, there's a reason for those. This is the easy part. But 
But what, what if we made it real starting tomorrow morning and it was real all the way up till the end of the week? What if we were to take the words of Christ seriously and let them come off of these pages and into the lives of people? When Jesus was on earth teaching, he was always connecting his word with culture. He was always trying to meet people where they were and connect his teachings with where they lived. That's why God's Word is alive. That's why it's called living and active is because it's not 2,000 years old and you read it and think, well, that applied to those people. It's meant to bring into this culture and apply it to where we live and how we live and what we deal with today. When Jesus was on earth teaching, people were always coming up to him and asking him questions. They were always trying to catch him in something, and the religious leaders of the day were really intimidated by him, so they were always coming up to Jesus trying to catch him in something hoping that he misspoke or said something wrong or said something against God. And, and one day while he was teaching, this religious leader came up to talk to him. This is recorded in the New Testament in the book of Matthew chapter 22. This leader came up to ask Jesus a question. And the question was, Jesus, what's the most important command? What's greater than all the other ones? What is it that I've got to know above all the other ones? He was trying to trick him into saying something against Jewish law. And Jesus responded with the phrase that sums up everything you've ever learned, everything you ever will learn, the phrase that, that sums up what to do in any and every situation throughout your life. He said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, went on to say, everything, everything you know hinges on these two commands. Everything. Love God, love people. Everything else you'll do okay with if you get these things down right. Now, this intimidated the religious leaders because it was their job to burden people down with a bunch of rules. I mean, they, they love just burdening people down with rule after rule after rule. And so Jesus was about to put them out of a job because there was like two things. My goodness, anybody can remember two things. And we got like 20 and Jesus is saying just, you know, they see their paycheck drying up all of a sudden. And they're not happy that Jesus just boiled down everything they teach into two things. Love God and love people. With Jesus, it's all about people. It's all about relationship. So at life point, we want everything we do to be about relationship, to be about connecting you into relationship with other people and with God. A revolutionary church in God's eyes is made up of imperfect people, people who struggle, people who are messed up, people who make mistakes, in a few weeks, you're going to start hearing more, well, you're going to have an opportunity to commit to membership at LifePoint, to say, I commit to being a member of that church. In a minute, I'll tell you a little bit more about what that means. But if you're a perfect person, please don't join our church because you'll mess it up for the rest of us. 
I mean, if you're perfect, if you make all your decisions right and you never make a mistake, you will not fit in here. You won't find any friends. And we would like to fill your seat with an imperfect person. So if you're perfect, thanks for coming. Have a nice life. Everybody stay in. Because we're all imperfect. We're, our staff is a mess. And we're all imp- I'm a mess. Ask my wife. I'm like high maintenance with capital H right here. But LifePoint membership doesn't mean that, hey, here's a perfect person that lives perfectly, that obeys everything perfectly, and now we are going to bestow membership upon you. That's not membership at LifePoint. And I know a lot of you have come from other churches where it might, might be different than what I'm about to explain, but, but membership at LifePoint is not something we give to you. Membership is a commitment that you make to this church family. And there's a difference. It's you saying, I commit to getting on with the work that's going on at LifePoint. And other than being a follower of Christ, there's only three things that we ask you to commit to. One is to give generously. That'll be last. Okay. One, one is to be involved in community. Two is to be involved in service. And three is to give generously. And that's what we're asking people to step up and commit to and say, I believe in the mission, in the vision, and what that church is going to be doing in the future, and I want to commit to being a member. A lot of people have also asked, not only have people asked me about membership, people have asked me about a building. When are we going to get a building and have to stop setting up and tearing down and having to deal with all the, the things that, are, that happen to a portable church? Well, all I can tell you is we will. And we are, and we're planning on it. But here's something I want you to know, and I I try never to say never, but today I'm going to say never. I am never going to lead us to a place where we have to spend money more on bricks and mortar and, and dirt than we do on people. Because we, we could build a huge building, but if it, if it, if it hurts our growth and stunts our growth as people, then we're going in the wrong direction. We're headed there. It's going to happen someday, but it's only going to happen when we can do it without it being at the expense of investing in people. Are you, is anybody with me on that? And when we do it, it's going to cost a lot of money. The good thing is, I know where the money is. All of you have it. It's in all your bank accounts. <laughs> And I'm going to be coming for it when, when we start this process, which is, it's, it's almost a weekly thing, thinking, praying, working on it. There's a group of people starting to assemble that's just going to be praying for the next step. And it's going to happen as quickly as it possibly can, but it's not going to be at the expense of people. Our primary investment is always going to be in people. Walt Disney said this, You can design and build the most beautiful place on earth, but it takes people to make it a reality. What Jesus did with these two commands was something revolutionary. And what we want to do at LifePoint is do something revolutionary. If it's not, if it's not revolutionary, then why do it? You know, a revolutionary church says this, just like Jesus said, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. 
That's the way Jesus, Jesus treated people. Come as you are. No matter what your problems are, no matter what's messed up in your life, just come on, but don't, don't stay that way. That's why if you want to come to LifePoint and, and belong and get involved and you don't believe, that's okay. We want you to belong even if you haven't yet believed. One day Jesus was having dinner at a religious teacher's house. And this woman came in. The Bible calls her a sinful woman. And she began to anoint Jesus' feet with some very expensive perfume. And as she was doing that, the religious leaders around the table were going like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. And she began to cry because of the sin in her life. And it began to, to wet his feet. And then she took her long hair and she dried his feet. And not one time did Jesus say, look, you need to get fixed first. You need to go back. You need to fix yourself up and stop sinning and then come and see me. He took her right where she was. And he goes on to explain that those of us who have lived far away from God, there's something special when a person like that finally makes the step and goes into the family of God and gets off the fence or steps over onto God's ground and says, I want to be a Christ follower. Jesus said they understand something different. They understand something about forgiveness that people that are over here that, that have lived their whole lives for God, that have always obeyed, the people over there that were in, in rebellion and then came into a relationship with God, they understand something different about forgiveness. Now, don't sit there and think, you mean if I go out, and, you know, I'm real rebellious and I'll understand more? Well, no, because then you'll have a list of regrets a mile long. But what Jesus is trying to explain is there's something about these people that are desperate, that have no hope. When they finally find out that he's the answer, they, something clicks inside of them that doesn't in other people that maybe didn't walk the same road. Jesus said to her, in a sense, come as you are. I know you're sinful. I know you're full of mistakes. I know you've, made, you've got problems. I know you're a sinful woman, but come on into my presence anyway. Jesus says, come as you are, but don't stay that way. He'll accept you right where you are. Here's how Jesus said it in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. And Jesus never once said, Go get your life fixed, and then come to me. He said, Come to me, my yoke will fit you perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. For a lot of years, I heard preachers explain this, Jesus talking about a yoke and tried to visualize some, like a yoke of oxen, this thing that, a, that an ox has around its neck that's tied down so it can't move. And, and that just, I was like, gosh, I don't, that doesn't sound very appealing. But as I was reading the other day, I found out that this yoke is, is, that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. If you were there in the first century and Jewish, like the people he was talking to were, if you were there, you would have understood a yoke to be something very different than something that goes around an ox's neck. A rabbi had the job of interpreting the Torah. If 
first five books of the Old Testament. That was a Jewish rabbi's job in that day. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was his job. Interpret it and tell people how they can apply God's teaching to their life. How do you live out when God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy? How do you live that out? It was the rabbi's job to tell. Some rabbis had a very strict interpretation. Some have an, had an even stricter interpretation to where they would say, don't just keep the day holy. You can't even pick a piece of fruit off the tree. If your ox falls in the ditch, you can't even get it out. That was called their yoke, their interpretation of what God's word meant for people. That was their yoke. So if you were Jewish and you would pick a rabbi to follow, you would pick his yoke and you would take up his yoke and follow that rabbi. So Jesus comes along as a Jewish teacher and he says, the yoke I'm going to give you is easy. It's easy to carry and it fits perfectly. So see, those people immediately understood, here's a rabbi that's not burdening us down with rule after rule after rule. Here's a rabbi that says the yoke, the interpretation of how to live out my words, it's going to fit you perfectly. They would have understood Jesus was saying, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And no matter where you are in your faith, whether you've followed Christ for years or gone to church all your life, or maybe you even haven't even bought into this whole thing called church yet, it's okay. Jesus still says, and we still say at LifePoint, come as you are. Come and learn. Come and change. Don't stay as you are. Grow. Jesus not only lived out come as you are, but stay as you are. He also lived out the idea of one life at a time. Changing one life at a time. Because you never know what's going to touch somebody's life. For me, in my life, when I stepped across the line and became a Christ follower, it was because something as simple as an invitation. One of my good friends from South Africa, what motivated him to take that step and go across the line and be a Christ follower was a volleyball. Because the first time we met him, college campus, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we asked him to come and play volleyball. He plays volleyball. That started a relationship that got us into his life. He asked questions about Christ. He came to worship. He came as he was, full of hate and bitterness because he'd grown up in South Africa and he was a black man and he was mistreated his whole life and he was full of that. And he released it and he didn't stay like he came. You never know what can touch a life. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories about how important one life is. Tells a story about a lady that loses one-tenth of her inheritance. Not just her inheritance, but like these really expensive family heirlooms. Really important stuff. Not just a little coin, something big. Imagine losing something your great-great-great-grandmother gave you. That was kind of like what she lost. And she tore the house apart to find it. When she found that one thing, they had a party. And then there was a shepherd that one of his sheep... While he had 100 or 99 left, one of them went off into the wilderness and he left the 99 and he went after the one because it's about one life at a time. And then a father lost his son. His son went away into another country and lived a rebellious lifestyle and the father stood and waited for that one life to come back. And every one of us at one time or another, we've been that one life. And at life point, we want to focus on one life at a time. 
That's going to be people that don't know Christ. That's going to be people that are going through issues and struggles. That's going to be people that have made bad decisions, but still one life at a time. Over the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about our three core purposes that all come from Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 22 and Matthew chapter 28, and that's to reach up towards God and what all of that means, to reach in and help each other grow. I'm going to talk about what all of that means and reaching out into the world, not only sharing Christ, but also serving people and meeting them where they are. Don't miss any part of the next three weeks because you're going to find out what LifePoint is all about now and how we're going to live out the things I've just been talking about. We want to be the kind of church that I talked about today. We're going to shoot for it. We're going to try. We're going to work on it. We're going to do the best we can. But the the problem is, on earth, the church is led by imperfect people. So everything is not going to always work perfectly. We're going to make mistakes and have to back up and have to try something again. When I share with you what, what God has revealed to me through His Word, that's not always going to be done in the most effective way possible. Because until Jesus Himself is doing it, nobody's going to do it perfectly. So on earth, the church is led by imperfect people, but we still want to be revolutionary. We still want to think beyond the box. So if this is you, if this is you just sitting here listening and leaving, I hope this position for you gets increasingly uncomfortable. I hope you don't stay happy just sitting. I hope you seek more. I hope you seek Christ's will for your life. And, and, and if you're newer or even brand new today, stick with us. Give it a shot. Come as you are and be changed.